Today's episode of Setting the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. Mm. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah. 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 All right, welcome back to the update. We're here at the AFC South as we finally finished this horrific division. Uh, today, joining us to recap the AFC South, or not recap, but preview the AFC South is uh, our pal, Eric Stoner. How are you today, Eric? I'm doing good, man. Just, uh, Waiting for this kid to come so I can finally be a dad. We're in the home stretch here. A real dad, not not a Twitter dad. A real dad, not a Twitter dad. <laughs> Eric, did I tell you about uh, my uncle from New York? He came down. He has so my, so my uncle's gay, right? And he comes down with his boyfriend. They adopted <laughs> this little white baby. Okay. Okay. And they're, they're like, uh, his first name is is uh, is Gus, and I was like, okay. Oh, no. And then we were asking what his middle name was, and his middle name was Blake. Oh, and I was no. like, <laughs> what are they like, doing? Oh no, he's like a little Jaguars baby. He's like the oh, worst mix God. of it possible. What are they doing? I don't know, man. But I don't I don't think they're gonna be watching football or anything. They don't seem to like football, so Yeah. Oh. So that's that's a good thing. Well let's roll right in and stay on, on topic with Gus and Blake and start off with a fourth place team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh they stink. I don't really know. <laughs> Justice I don't know what Go what ahead. else is there to say? Uh, Justice uh, was they, saying they that- were unlucky. They were unlucky. They were really unlucky, like historically unlucky, especially for a Jaguars team. Like if you look at with like close game regression and stuff like that, this is getting real nerdy. I know. I'm sorry, Eric. Um, but like their 2014 team or something, like when they won four games, like they were actually an overrated team. They were outplaying their talent to get to four and twelve or whatever. Yeah, uh, that's what they were like needing everything to go right to beat horrible teams by like two points. They, yeah. they should have gone like 0 and 16 that year. That, like that, team, that team was like a one win team or something like yeah. that on paper, and they ended up winning four games. But like last year's team, uh, they went they went two and eight in single score games. Like that team should have won like six games. They ended up only winning what was it four, three, something like that. They won three games last year. Three games. Yeah, three games last year. Um, you know, history says that probably on average they're going to win four more games this year. So I put them at like seven and nine. Uh, I think realistically, like six and ten is probably fair. I know Vegas, it's five, it's five and a half right now. Um, but if you look at like their roster, right, like just if you just put a cover, cover your hand over quarterback and compare their roster to like the Baltimore Ravens and see the Baltimore Ravens is like playoff odds, Super Bowl odds, all sorts of stuff, just power rankings in general, right? Compared to what Jacksonville, the respect that Jacksonville's getting, it's like astronomically different. And I'm just wondering, like, is the jump from you know, Blake Bortles to Joe Flacco really that much? It's not that. It's more so that uh, Baltimore has a history and a tradition of organizational stability. Um, even when the talent with the talent with the talent level as much as it has dipped in recent years, and I guess they're 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 still kind of going through a rebuild. Um, and the Joe Flacco contract being the worst probably in the entire NFL, um, they've still been a hard like a hard-nosed team. Um, like I said, they, they, were they, they weren't even really 
in playoff contention down the stretch last year, but they were still like a bitch to play. Um, so I think there's just something that goes into that. Like, like I said, they have organizational clarity and stability, which the Jaguars have not. So even if putting up the rosters on paper, um, the, the cultures of the team are in such entirely different directions that I don't think that you can just compare it as, Oh, like is Flacco really that much better than Bortles and look at the rest of the roster. I think that Baltimore is better, like roster-wise, than, than Jacksonville. I, I, I think Jacksonville's offensive line still. Has I would agree. A long way to go because you added Cam Robinson, uh, which is going to be an upgrade. But I, I think Brandon Albert or swapping out Kelvin Beachum for Brandon Albert's a push. And Linder's, I think Linder is a you know he's a solid player, but I, I do think he gets a little bit overhyped. By, he's overrated. Yeah. yeah, by Jaguars fans. So I, I think when you look at the offensive line and the quarterback situation. I, I don't see how this isn't like a bottom seven offensive unit next season. And I, I don't, I, even with the, the strides they've made on defense on paper, I just don't think that's enough to get them more than like five wins max. Well, yeah, the defense as constituted last year, like it was a nice unit, but um, they were a, a unit that was good on like a yards per play basis that couldn't do things to win games when it mattered. Like they were not getting sacks or turnovers in obvious pass situations. Obviously, they weren't getting put into a lot of obvious pass situations because they never got to play with the lead. But even with the additions they they brought in this year, like it's really going to come down to like is that defense going to be able to make game changing types of plays? And I still tend to lean towards no because I don't really have a lot of faith in the pass rush. Yeah, Jacksonville was last in interception percentage last year, and they just gave AJ Bowie. I think that's how you say his name, uh, $67.5 million, and he made one interception last year in his breakout year. So, like, I, I don't know how fast that situation is going to get better. Um, when I did, I, I I'll say this. I know a lot of people are excited about Yannick, right? And uh, he passes the Prodigy filter and all that stuff for, for pass rushers. If you don't know what that is, just Google Force Players Prodigy, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's basically, like, production through the lens of athleticism at the age of 23 and what that actually means. Um, but Eric, I started this little project where we basically measure tackles for losses and like tackles within three yards of the line of scrimmage um, and combine them all right to see like relevant tackles. Cause we know tackles is fraudulent stat. Yannick, Yannick is like legit horrible at everything other than getting to the quarterback. Yeah, well, and that's kind of in line to where they were a couple of years ago too. When I when Sanderic Marks like had his eight sack year or whatever it was, like they weren't bad in terms of total sacks that year, but in terms of like pressure rate and things like that, um, they were absolutely horrible. And it's kind of that's kind of been a running theme on them throughout like the entire history of the franchise. I think they only have like two or three seasons in franchise history with a player that had more than ten sacks. And Tony Brackens has two of them, I think. And the other, the only other one is uh, Bobby McRae. Damn, that's a throwback name. That's incredible. That's a, that's an incredible stat. Like people talk about Jacksonville and like their quarterback problem throughout their history, but other than a couple of good Tony Bracken seasons, like they've never had a good pass rusher. Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't see I don't I don't think they did enough on offense to overcome the negative hole that. Blake Bortles is going to put them in. I mean, we even no. saw Doug Marone. Uh, it was yesterday, the day before. He was already chewing Bortles out for uh, interceptions in OTAs and mini camps. Like this is where, it, it, this is where we are in June. It's coming to the point now where it's looking like this is a player whose confidence is shot. 
So, I mean, it's honestly shameful that they brought in no legitimate competition for him whatsoever. Um, Henny's con- Chad Henny's contract was expiring, and they chose to bring him back and just roll with Brandon Allen as the third guy instead of, you know, bringing in anybody, you know, semi-legitimate to uh, to compete for that job because it, it, it's honestly any any warm body that's like a halfway functional quarterback would win that job in an in an honest competition. I agree. So uh, let's move on to our third place team, the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And this, when we when we posted our uh, Colts preview on a uh, Colts fans got fired up because they think that they just knocked this offseason out of the park. And while I do think they're on the right track, you know, getting guys like Hankins and Malik Hooker and even Simon and Jamal Sheard, that's the right steps. But this is still not a good roster yet. No, I mean, absolutely not. Like they they have kudos to them. They have an an actual grown up in charge now, but um, they can't fix that roster in one offseason. Like they they actually have like they brought in some some decent help. And everything, but if you just look at the like their two D depth chart on both offense and defense, it's still absolutely abysmal. Yeah, like so, I, I went uh, player by or position by position, looking at their top two players in returning snaps from last year. Right on the defensive side of the ball, on the defensive line, it's David Perry and Hassan Ridgeway. At pass rusher, they have Akeem Ayers and no one else. On off-the-ball linebackers, it's Edwin Jackson and Antonio Morrison. Cornerbacks is obviously Vontae Davis and then Rashawn Melvin. And then at safety, it's Clayton Gethers and TJ Green. And it's like n- not, like basically their entire defense has to mesh. You have to think that their offseason was better than any other team in the AFC South. And I'm not even sure. Like, did they did they have a better offseason than anyone in the AFC South? Like, they made some decent moves, but, like, they gave Jabal Shirt like, hundred or uh, $10 million a year. You know what I mean? They drafted Quincy Wilson, who was a cornerback who has, you know, speed issues, things like that. Uh, I think their offensive their offensive line is still bad. It's still bad. It's it, So this is the thing about their offensive line. It's very, very weird. I've never seen a team that has this big of a split. So they're 28th in sack percentage, Okay. And they didn't really bring in anyone unless you think LaRaven Clark in year two is going to take a step. Or Zach Banner, who I, I think, Chuck, he was the worst offensive lineman at the Senior Bowl, right? He can't move. Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah, so he, he got drafted in the fourth round. That big dude from USC who's been hyped up. Um, LaRaven Clark last year was a third-round pick out of Texas Tech. Um, but, like, the offensive line, they're 28th in sack percentage. They're first in run percentage, but their running backs can't do anything. Like, legitimately – uh, their their running backs did less with more than any other team in the league, and they really did. Like you're basically banking on you have to bank. Like if you're assuming this team makes it to the playoffs, you're banking their entire defense meshes together. Okay, you're banking that Raven Clark t- somehow takes a starting job and becomes a great pass blocker to make up for the fact of the other you know three three negligent bodies on their offensive line, and you have to assume that Marlon Mack just basically takes a stranglehold of the running back position. Yeah. Yep. 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 And I, I, I just, I, I don't see. You know, I, it's funny because the Colts, they could, they could win the division any year just if Andrew Luck gets hot. Uh, but I, I do think that the the uh, Titans did make a big enough of a leap this off season where they kind of widened the gap between themselves and the rest of the AFC South. But yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's in the right direction, but you haven't arrived there yet. Yeah, they still at the end of the day they still have the best quarterback in the division. 
But um, in terms of being able to match up with the level of physicality with the other three teams, I don't foresee them being able to. Um, and then just like I said, too, in terms of just the, the depth of their roster, like a key injury here or there could completely like sink this team. I mean, obviously, if if they lose Andrew Luck for any amount of time at all, they're completely hosed again. Um, like you guys said, they're, they're, they're just counting on a lot of new parts being able to come in and gel immediately. And, and like, I like Malik hooker, but Malik hooker, he's still not, he's not physically ready. And and he's still a rookie safety. He's not going to be like a day one, completely transform your defense type of player. And they, they didn't really bring in a guy like that. I mean, Malik hooker down the line in two or three years. Yeah. Probably could be a transcendent level player, but they don't have like that type of guy on their defense. Um, and so, I mean, it, it's still the, like other than quarterback, this is still like by far the weakest roster. And I think it's going to take a lot to overcome that because it's not like the, this, it's not like the AFC South from a few years back, like the other teams. I mean, Jacksonville is still Jacksonville, but Tennessee and Houston are definitely, uh, they've taken steps towards competence. Yeah. And you know, a, a- Big weakness, weakness to me on their defense is the linebackers. I, I think Antonio Morrison is a, a fun player, but we, I think, you know, when you go back and watch, uh, especially their late season stuff, he just he can't run, he can't cover the passes. He's really great in a phone booth coming downhill, but when he has to cover any real amount of ground, he can't do it. So I think the second level of that defense still sucks. Uh, you're relying on a rookie free safety to come in and be great immediately, which is just a, a tall task and unlikely. And uh, y- your pass rush is still just kind of okay. I, I think you're in a better spot than you were last year, but just not good enough yet. So let's move on to our number two team, uh, the Houston Texans, who made a big splash in the draft by going up to number 12 and trading with the Browns and getting uh, my son, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, and they're getting J.J. Watt back to what is already, like, an, an excellent defense. They were the best de- – let the record state – I keep saying this – let the record state that the Texans had their best defense, um, defensive rankings, like, in recent years without J.J. Watt. So, <laughs> not, uh, not trying to take anything away from him. Obviously, getting him back is going to make that unit even better. And then they got the uh, the linebacker from Vanderbilt, who I who was – my Zach favorite Cunningham. linebacker, in, yeah, Zach Cunningham, who was my favorite linebacker in this draft. That's going to be a hell of a unit, man. That that front seven, especially. Yeah, they, um, they uh, have some young guys too, like DJ Reader. He'll step in right for Vince Wilfork. I thought he played better than Wilfork last year, anyways. And then they have this uh, other five, you know, three technique, five technique guy who uh, Joel Heath. If you look up his numbers on MockDraftable.com, you know, he's he's not. The heaviest guy, but in a vacuum, his numbers are incredible for a, a defensive lineman. So you have Reader, Heath, McKinney, Cunningham, J.J. Clowney, or not J.J., Davion Clowney, Whitney Merciless, and now you're getting Watt back. Like that's, that's probably the best front seven in the league, uh, and I, I think they're going to need to be great to kind of offset, offset the loss of A.J. Bowie and Kevin Johnson coming back from injury. Yeah, my yeah, so- only question with that front seven, though, is like, they don't. They legit do not have a pass rusher with any experience other than uh, than Whitney Merciless, unless they plan on kicking Jadavian Clowney back out to outside linebacker. And if that happens, I there's a there's a significant drop off on the line of scrimmage if Jadavian Clowney moves from you know his his 
end role to outside linebacker in base looks, I think. Yeah, well, how much base are they really playing, though? Not much. And in their nickel looks, J.J. Watt's playing one of those end spots. Or even three. He doesn't really – yeah, he does I mean, and he doesn't even really play a whole lot of three in, like, in, in sub-packages. So, right, but so, so – but if they're both playing those end spots, who's playing D-tackle then? So you're going to go heavy, heavy, right? heavy nickel? He's going to play inside at D-tackle instead of out there at end? Because he was playing more of like – he was playing like on a shoulder of a of the offensive tackle more than he was on like the shoulder of a guard. J.J. Watt was, right? No, no, no. Clowney last year. Oh, yeah. See, I think they're kind of counting on, on some of those young guys to step up. Like they drafted Carlos Watkins this year. They have, like I said, Reader and Heath. And then you can mix in Clowney and uh, – and Watt on the inside. I, I think, you know, they, they, it would be nice to have one more edge rusher, but I think they'll be able to tinker around. Yeah. I to get the, I think that they got, they got plenty of bodies with it. I think they got enough dudes. Um, I guess the real question with them obviously comes down to the offense. Like, will they get functional quarterback play out of Deshaun? Is Deshaun even going to be like, what, at what point is Deshaun going to be the guy? I think it, it doesn't it kind of sound already like Bill O'Brien is, Kind of being uh he's kind of being a Bill O'Brien about it. He's kind of being a butt. Well, there, there's that picture of like Bill <laughs> O'Brien like face palming in like the war room on draft day. Yeah, where, like so. everyone everyone's sitting down and like Bill O'Brien has his hand in his or his face in his hand, and then uh, what's his name Rick Smith, the general manager, is like standing up smiling, and they're like, "Yo, like this this was very much Rick Smith guy." I mean, there there was talk about it post draft, right? Like there there was like people who right. were citing anonymous sources, and they were like, "Bill O'Brien wanted no parts of packaging." Ba- they basically you they did not sign. They were one of like three teams to not sign a free agent. Uh, worth more than, or I think they were the only team that didn't sign a free agent worth more than $3 million per year. They spent their entire offseason basically figuring out how Cleveland would take on the Brock Osweiler deal, not using any of that free agency money because guys like Nuke are going to need money in the future, right? right? And then packaging picks to to get Deshaun Watson. And the weirdest thing to me too is like, it's not like Tom Savage is even like Brian Hoyer where he's like not throwing interceptions, he's just kind of being efficient. Tom Savage... In the past six years, Tom Savage has had one season where he's thrown a passing touchdown. He hasn't thrown a he hasn't thrown a regular season passing touchdown in the NFL yet. Like that's freaking crazy. Yeah, but if, yeah. if you want to look I, into uh, like June, like June coach speak, uh, Bill O'Brien he did say the other day that he was he was fairly impressed with uh, what Deshaun Watson showed him during minicamp. You just kind of contra- contrast that with. Uh, what Marone is saying about Bortles, and I, I, I think Watson's going to end up being the guy from week one. Yeah, I think he's probably going to end up winning that job pretty early too. And I th- like if you can get, obviously, uh, what Dak did last year came out of nowhere. Um, Deshaun kind of has more expectations going in, like with being uh, a first round draft pick and everything. But I think in terms of a production profile, if you can get like eighty percent of what. Dallas got out of Dak, out of Deshaun, like 80% of that, then you're looking at a functional, competent offense, which is really all that they need. And that's, they could actually really become a dangerous team with like just functional quarterback play where they, and where they don't turn the ball over. Yeah. I I think even just slightly below average offensive numbers would, would be a huge step forward for them. I'm just so worried about just their regression in general. Like this was the luckiest team of the decade last year. Like they were anyone, something like, but did anyone think they were good last year? No, I feel like they've nope, been the they, same team for like five straight years now. 
So uh, this, team, I mean, this team, you can talk about regressions and close games and back and forth and shit like that. Like this is the exact, they've played the exact same way for five years. And the only thing that's been missing is functional quarterback play. So, I mean, they, they basically okay, come out with up, the same up. record every year, basically, don't they? Houston was worse than Jacksonville last year on paper. Like you guys realize, like okay. the only that's teams. Fine. You so, can say you. You can say that. that. You're yeah, talking about them making a legitimate I, I watch. Okay, so. I watch plenty of both of those teams, and I can tell you, you could do whatever you want with that fucking paper that you're reading off of. Houston was a much better team than Jacksonville last year. Okay, the only two teams to win fewer multi-score games than them last year were Cleveland and Los Angeles. Uh, the only other teams with one with one uh, with one big win like them, multi-score win, were Jacksonville and San Francisco. And they were behind teams like Chicago and like the New York Jets. Like this is not a good. This is a team that should have been picking in the top five last year and snuck into the playoffs, and then packaged their picks so that they could get a pick in the rightful range that they should have been drafting in to to, to select a quarterback. And that was basically the usage of their entire offseason. Like I can't. And like we're not like JJ. It's a back injury, Eric. Aren't you? Are, we're we're full That's on. Fine. Up, like, the defense was the the best in the league last year without him. But they're losing. All right, whatever. They lost a lot in free agency too. Like they have no answer at pass rusher. I have way more questions about this team. Like I, th- I thought I was gonna be super low on Houston, and then I ended up uh, getting a deeper look into the Colts' roster. I, like I think the Colts are closer to the to the Jaguars than they are the Texans, and I thought I was gonna be low on the Texans. Like I think, I mean, if you guys want to move on, we might as well move on. But I yeah, think like I mean, far so, and away, Tennessee yeah, should be like if my Tom, if Tom Savage starts sixteen games for them, then yeah, I think they'll probably be picking like in the top 10 or the top five, but I don't anticipate that happening. Um, Chuck and I obviously like Deshaun more than you, but I think that you can get 75 per, to 80% of Dak out of him. So do I. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's the AFC South. Like, we're, we're talking about uh, you know, the Jaguars just piddling around whatever they did last year. And then Marcus Mariota got hurt towards the end of last season, which kind of derailed Tennessee's run. I, I just... I, it wouldn't. It w- honestly wouldn't surprise me to see any of the top three teams win the division because that's just kind of how it is. Uh, so let's just move on to the uh, our number one team, the Tennessee Titans, and I, I really I love their offseason. Some people thought taking Corey Davis at five was a little bit too high, but I think when you look at what Marcus does well in his game, I think Corey Davis is a perfect fit for him. And they went out and added uh, Taewon Taylor, and they recently signed Eric Decker, so they've made a commitment to get Marcus Mariota the weapons that he needs. And on, on defense, they drafted Adoree Jackson in the first round. Uh, they signed Logan Ryan from the Patriots. They already have guys like Jarrell Casey, Brian, Brian Arakpo, uh, Derek Morgan. So th- I think this is a unit, a team that's on the rise. And I, I don't think they're one of the better, like one of the best teams in the NFL, but I do think they're the best of the crop uh, in the AFC South. This is the three seed, man. Yeah, they're like, good. I, I think, I this think is that they're going to be good. Like, I really believe, like, I think the Patriots and the Steelers are better teams uh, by far. It should be, you know, bigger favorites for, you know, landing those first two buys, right? And then, like, the AFC South or the AFC West, I think that's just going to devour itself. Like, I don't I don't think you can get a buy out of the AFC, out of the AFC West, if that makes any sense. Um, just because all those teams are so talented, like San Diego on paper should be probably one of the most improved teams in the league, but they're going against Denver. They're going against Oakland. They're going against Kansas City. I think by far Tennessee should like, let's just go position by position. So they have one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Historically, the only quarterbacks better than him at his age were Dan Marino and Robert Griffin, the third. 
Um, you look at their backfield, they have two running backs who I think we're both pretty, we're all uh, pretty big fans of at receiver. They've revamped that position so much that they have, you know, th- they have three names that they have brought in that could be their number one, number two, and number three wide receivers coming into this year. At tight end, they have one of the be- most flexible tight ends in the league. Uh, last year, they got fo- they got four n- new starters on the offensive line. All those guys are locked in for this year. Uh, they yeah, they're good. <laughs> yeah, like, those guys are good. They're all um, they- good. They drafted one of the guys that I wanted. Uh, I forget his name. The kid out of University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. Uh, he was a guy I was a pretty big fan of. Him and that Wyoming kid were my like little, my little uh, pet interior offensive lineman. Um, on the defensive line, like you said, they got all these guys. They added Sylvester Williams. Uh, they still have he Austin sucks. Johnson. He sucks. You know sucks. That that no. dude got seventeen and seventeen and a half million dollars. They must think something of him. Sylvester like, Williams was the reason why Denver. I, was yeah, I'm not bad. crazy. I'm not crazy about what Tennessee did on defense this year. Like I don't, re- I don't See, really care for like, the Sipman signing. I'm like I like Adoree, but I liked Adoree in like round two. Not you know trying to like make him your number one corner. Like he's that like team was yeah. still, that team was amazing on defense last year. Like they were they were fourth in yards per carry. Uh, 12th in sack percentage, 13th in tackle for loss percentage. Like that front seven still made plays, and if nothing else, they're adding more functional bodies. If not, if nothing else, that are added to the we'll rotation. We'll see. We'll see I how they see. use Cyprian. Yeah, we'll see how they use Cyprian and well, Adore. The, the like back, those are the two. Back end, the back end for sure is their like is a big, mess still, dude. They, well, they, I like the Logan. They signed Logan Ryan, right? I like that signing. Yeah, yeah. But like, I don't I like having Logan Ryan and Adore together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Adore, like, He's too small to play on the outside. I'm with you. I'm I'm team anti small corner. Um, I will say that like if you look at him in terms of athleticism, he's not far away from Verrett. And I liked Verrett, and I didn't yeah. like Adori. I don't know what that says to me. Like there was just too many plays of Adori, like when he was going against like John Burns, Ross man. and stuff, where he's just and yeah. Will Fuller. Like well, he he'll just bite on that first step, and then it's yep. it's a fifty yard touchdown. I like him more as like a returner. Like spark plug guys, oh, I do as a, as, as a sixteen game outside corner. Well, so here, here's one thing that I'll say. When I was looking at like their the, so I went on Football Outsiders and I was looking at the their like returning snaps. Right, they legit had defensive backs who like I had to Google their name several times and figure out like if they were actual players or if they were like Madden generated. Yeah, guys mm-hmm. like Valentino Blake and Damian Strafford and Rashad Johnson, and those were those like, are all guys fake names. Played, those were all guys who played like forty percent of the snaps for their defensive backfield. So, like, as much as we make fun of like Johnny Jonathan Cyprian, right? Like, I think that is still like a tremendous it's still better. talent it's better. compared, yeah, 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 compared to Valentino Blake and Damian Strafford. Yeah, and sure. I do, I do like that uh, young safety they have, Kevin Bayard from uh, Middle Tennessee State. That he 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 had a nice yeah. rookie season, but I, I I still wonder if like, but I think with the secondary, there's still a lot of what ifs, you know. It is, but they have a, they have a they have a line of scrimmage that gets to the quarterback. With the secondary, it's it seems like that one position unit where there's like you know there's always that fan base that said oh we had like the worst starters in the league last year we just need a functional body and like it'll be okay and it never really seems to turn out that way like it's it's always like it can't get any worse. I'm not saying that this unit will be worse, but it can be just as bad. You know what I mean? Like like Chuck said, they they have a lot of question marks in that secondary, and the, it it's new people. But I I mean, they're not fake names, but it can still be bad. Drew Casey's that front seven is still pretty legit though, so they have uh they have some help up front. Do we have questions about their linebackers or? I I have an issue with 
they're outside linebackers. I mean, like, so we talked about Brian Arakpo and uh, Derek Morgan. What's his name? Derek Morgan, yeah. And those two, those two guys. I know, I know they get a lot of crap because they're not like super. Like they're not guys who are going to get fifteen sacks, right? But that's a pretty good duo. Um, the issue is they legit have no one, nothing behind them. Yeah. They're, they're they're like in Houston spot where Houston doesn't have a starter, but they have no like this team has no depth. Like the the biggest name is probably going to be that Kevin Dodd kid from Clemson, but like. I think Charles and I were lower on Kevin Dodd than anyone last year. And when I did that tackle plus thing where I measure, you know, tackles within three yards of the line of scrimmage and then adjust for snaps played, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was by, like, it was him and Robert Kimdichie were by far the worst defenders that were picked in the top 100 last year. Like, this nice. guy brought nothing to the table. Yeah, so. but the thing is, I didn't hate Kevin Dodd as a prospect coming off Clemson, but I hate the idea of him as a stand-up edge rusher. I mean, he's 200, he's 275 pounds and he's not very athletic. So you're just kind of, he reminds me of Andre branch to where he's like one of those like long types that people think would be a good edge rusher, but really they're just good at like setting the edge in the run game. And that's all they can do. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's not the body type or athletic profile that you want out of an edge rusher. So yeah, are we worried at all about uh, Marcus Mariota getting hurt because he did? He has missed five games in two years. Um, I don't know if it's something that I can say reliably one way or the other. I will say that I've never felt that he's a particular. He's he's definitely athletic and can get you um, yards in terms of his his running, but I wouldn't say that he's like necessarily a creative runner or takes care of like naturally instinctive about taking care of his body, making himself small, um, things of that nature. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, he's kind of a reckless runner period. Like, yeah, uh, like Tennessee's, he's not, he's not quite Robert Griffin. He's not quite Robert Griffin, but it's kind of the same thing to where they're very linear type runners. Like I said, they're not really creative or shifty. Um, and like I said, he doesn't really protect his body. Well, I don't like he's. I don't think he's like even like. I don't know. He doesn't really seem like a runner to me. You know what I mean? He's like not. he's he, not. Even, a, like, he's not an improviser. He's just yeah. if there's a hole and the defense, if they're in like cover two man and he sees the the entire defense turned his back on him, he can run in a straight line through through like the back door of the pocket and pick up forty yards. You know yeah, what I mean? Like he's not a create. He's not an instinctive, creative, improvising type of quarter. He's a robot. He's a robot. That's what I was gonna he's say. It's like he's, he's a not damn an improviser, <laughs> despite being athletic. He's a robot. Yeah. So like Demarco Murray and Derrick Henry combined had like three fumbles in like 400 carries basically last year, and Marcus Mariota had like nine or something. Like, yeah, that is his it, weak spot. That has been since college. Yeah, but he'll that, take sa- he'll take sacks and fumble the ball. Yeah, sa- sacks mean fumbles, which is why you got to make you got to get him a good offensive line. Yeah, which they have. Yeah, so they that's do a, have that. that, the the offense is just construct like. Nobody on their offense is perfect. I mean, even that they've rebuilt their wide receiver core and you can still nitpick and say, you know what, they still don't have any speed really or, or, or ability to get vertical. I still um, have Corey but, Davis. But yeah, but even then, are you really counting on a rookie from the no, Mac to be like no, the true, no. like a, a dominant vertical threat of your of element of your offense? Um, you know what I, so I think like, is – you, you can nitpick little things like that in their offense. And like I said, Marcus, will he'll take sacks and, and fumble. And you can nitpick things about Derrick Henry and, and – um, DeMarco Murray. And DeMarco Murray. But, like, the offense as a whole, it's constructed very well, and all of these pieces complement each other very well, which is something – like, people didn't really feel that way about them heading into last year whatsoever. 
it was like, what are you doing putting this like under center power run game with a quarterback who came from an up-tempo shotgun yeah. spread offense? Um, they have nothing at wide receiver. Um, you're reaching on offensive linemen. Nobody liked uh, so nobody Conklin. liked. Conklin. I, I didn't like Conklin. I'm a dumbass. So and I mean that's why I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt on the Corey yeah, Davis for the fair. people that say they reached because I mean they've been pretty good at like just getting their guy earlier in the draft and people say they should and it turns out okay for them. Yeah. It, so it, I, like I I think the sum of the like the sum of the part the whole is better than the sum of the parts for the offense like that's a really well constructed offense that's that's cohesive and you can I mean you just see the formula for them of how they win of how they will win games with their offense. I think it's it's cool to see how they've kind of built this team over the past year. So, like, when Malarkey was hired as a head coach, that offseason was for Mike Malarkey. You know, go get Conklin. You go get DeMarco Murray. You go get uh, Derrick Henry. You know, you're a Jaguars fan. I'm a Falcons fan, so we both experienced Mike Malarkey. I don't oh, think yeah. There was, I don't think there was any doubt that Derrick Henry was going to be a Tennessee Titan on draft day. Like, I, people were calling that out for months in advance. And this offseason – they were kind of like, all right, well, we got the Malarkey pieces. Now let's go get some Marcus pieces. So they added, you know, Eric Decker, Corey Davis, Taewon Taylor to come in all and compete at receiver. So I, I think that this offense is a little bit more well-rounded uh, towards what the head coach likes to do and what the quarterback is good at. So I think the offense is going to be fun. I think it's going to be one of the better offenses in the league. I just still have questions about that defensive, like the back seven for the uh, Titans. Yeah. Well, and I think the biggest thing with the offense, too, is just there's so many, like, fewer snaps for Harry Douglas to go around. And anytime you can reduce Harry Douglas's uh, snap load in your offense, like, good things happen. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, are we good here? Are we going to wrap it up? I, th- I, th- I think we're we're pretty much set. Yeah, um, I, I'm, somehow this was our longest pod. Uh, like okay. Pod. So, uh, so answer this answer this question for me real quick because Hank and I were just talking about this on the Jags pod. Um, the AFC South in recent years has been like a complete joke of a division. Um, I'm not saying it's like the NFC West of a few years ago or or anything like where you know you had like Arizona, San Francisco, and Seattle all as like legitimate Super Bowl contenders. But I think they're kind of like an uh, maybe like a the AFC North. You know what I mean? Where you have like the bot, like the joke of the bottom feeder, and then like three really solid teams, or even like the uh, NFC South a few years ago. Like if you want, yeah, the Colts, yeah. like the Falcons I, or something like that. Yeah, I just don't think that this division is just going to be the absolute, you know, cakewalk shit show, and the the winner of the division is like, you know, the winner of the Special Olympics this year. I think it's going to be impro- like I, I think that Tennessee and Houston both got better. Um, yeah, we'll see about sure. the. I, we'll, I think we'll see about. The, um, the Jaguars are supposedly better on paper, but I don't, dude. They're they're Vegas has the over under at five and a half. Hit hit pound the under, dude. Yeah, that off- hit that's six, a, six six games. That offense is gonna suck, man. Uh, yeah, it is. So uh, before we leave, a f- couple updates. We are having a Madden 18 giveaway: one PS4 copy, one Xbox copy. So if you go on SettingEdge.com and uh, click on the blog, there's going to be directions on how you can uh, try to win your copy there. And uh, this Sunday, we will have former NFL lineman George Foster on the podcast. And the week after, we'll have current Baltimore Ravens safety Tony Jefferson on the podcast. Uh, shout out to nice. our pal Erica uh, Isola who got us hooked up with the copies of Madden and uh, reached and uh, got me hooked up with Tony Jefferson. So she's about to be a parent just like Eric, and 
We got good thoughts in our mind for both of them. So we'll be back next week with the NFC South. We're going to start with uh, – what team are we starting with? Tampa? New Orleans? I don't know. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one. But we'll be back next week. That's and... going to be a tough division, man. Yeah. yeah. That one's going to be fun to watch. Like you could – like just kind of thinking about it, you could honestly make a case for, for all four teams. Yep. Yep. All right, so we'll be back uh, on Sunday with George Foster and next week with our NFC South pod.